So thank you everyone for joining us on As Per Usual, a podcast that explores the current state of patient engagement in Canadian research and how to make it better. My name is Bryn Robinson and today we've got a great panel of guests to talk all about evaluation. In our study, participants noted the continuing lack of benefits, value, outcomes, and impacts of patient engagement in research and that's problematic because we need the evidence to support patient engagement in research, show that it is necessary, and to justify its cost to funders to, and help ensure it is systemic and sustainable in the long term. Yep, you're absolutely right, Bryn. Those are definitely some key issues with the current state of evaluation of patient engagement in research. So what does a preferred future state look like, you ask? Well, according to our study participants, in a preferred future state, evaluation and measurement of the process and impacts of patient engagement and research are commonplace. This contributes to the building of an evidence base that is used to guide best practices, justify the cost of patient engagement to funders, including ultimately taxpayers, and ensure the long-term sustainability of patient engagement and research. Some factors that contribute to achieving this preferred future state include widespread agreement and recognition of the indicators and metrics used to evaluate the outcomes of patient engagement and research, as well as its quote unquote success. Research that regularly focuses on the process of engagement instead of let's say just looking at the health outcomes of a study and manuscript requirements that have evolved to better support the full reporting of engagement methods. All right, so clearly there's a fair bit to do. And with us today, we have three guests that are going to tell us about the amazing work that they are doing to help guide the evaluation of patient engagement and research in Canada. Specifically, we have Dr. Audrey Lesperance, Carolyn Canfield, and Marianne Levasseur. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Before we hear more about your research, could you please start us off by each telling us a bit about yourselves in terms of your background as it pertains to research and experiences you'll be sharing today? So why don't we, let's say, start with Carolyn, followed by Marianne and then Audrey. Hi, Anna. Hi, Bryn. It's just wonderful to be here to join you. Uh, so I came into healthcare uh, unwillingly, if you like. It was uh, a tragic event in uh, healthcare failure, and that piqued my curiosity because I was surprised that I was only the only one who was interested in uh, finding out what had happened and learning from it. Uh, so putting experience into into some kind of learning uh, impact. Um, I uh, had never realized that there was such a thing as patient safety, uh, what patients are unsafe. So my curiosity um, drove me to learn more and more about healthcare. And as I did, I of course learned about increasing patterns of patients getting involved in healthcare. So uh, I was very fortunate in 2014 to be offered a faculty position in the Department of Family Practice at the University of British Columbia. Uh, my orientation was around uh, teaching my perspectives on patient safety, and I was invited to teach in the undergraduate medical program, uh, patient safety, that theme. So I got into the research side of, of patient um, involvement 
really through opportunistic relationships. I had relationships with people who were involved in uh, in in research and in practice improvement. It really came from the quality improvement side of things. And that blurring between what's quality improvement and what's research was a vexatious problem uh, five or eight years ago. I mean, people still thought of it as an issue. I think it's really dissolved now and it's blended. And we see many more people who are involved in research that addresses, very closely addresses practice improvement. That learning health system uh, is really fueling uh, I think that pattern. So I've been involved in international uh, research projects that look at whole system concepts, resilience in system, uh, a system engineering point of view, right down to uh, research in, in evaluating practice improvement. Uh, and so uh, my work is, is primarily as a, a citizen patient in the, the faculty of uh, uh, the Department of Family Practice and the Faculty of Medicine at UBC. So I'll take I'll take it from here. Um, thanks, Anna and Bryn, for having uh, me here today with you and this wonderful panel. Um, if you would have asked me some 20 years ago uh, if I thought I would be sitting here today and, and doing this kind of work, I would have said absolutely not. I don't do any of that. I come from a corporate background. And um, the way I entered this field was through caregiving for my son, uh, who had a serious uh, mental illness, developed into a serious mental illness over time. Uh, and so through caregiving, I became more and more involved uh, with dealing with the health system. Um, and I would say that uh, normally, uh, I think that for the most part, people, well, People don't, don't deal with the health system unless they have to. Uh, what happens after that is usually uh, up to the person. And I would think that most people leave the system after they've had their experience in the system uh, with health care for themselves or for others. Um, but because my son was, was uh, dealing in health care for an extended period of time, and he really needed help in advocating for himself uh, to gain, to have services, to um, get the proper resources for himself. I found that I was spending more and more time helping him to manage that uh, as he being a young adult. And uh, at a certain point, I said, uh, this isn't working anymore. I think I need to leave my position for the time being. I thought it would be temporary and I'll spend the next six months or a year helping him out, getting him back on his feet and really advocating for him in healthcare. And so um, in around 2007, I entered the chaotic world of mental health uh, and the mental health system. And uh, from there, uh, I did uh, help my son uh, to, um, to get appropriate um, help and services. I advocated for him and I learned a lot about navigating the mental health system. Um, and in 2011, the coordinator of my son's program at the hospital asked uh, uh, a group of us parents if we wanted to meet together to discuss among each other our journey with our, our young people uh, 
in, in caregiving and helping them uh, through their illness. And uh, we ended up meeting together and uh, I volunteered to facilitate group meetings and I never turned back. From there, I, I ended up being the family peer support facilitator at that clinic for the next 10 years. And um, in doing that, I also got involved more with the research side of um, my son's uh, illness uh, with other uh, clinicians, with clinicians and researchers at the clinic. And then I was asked in 2013 if I wanted to um, be uh, a representative, sort of, even though you can't be a representative of family caregivers in a national research project. At that time, Canadian Institutes of Health Research had just initiated um, shortly before their strategies in patient-oriented research, and they, we were going to be we were going to be the first national research network, SPORE network in youth mental health. And so I agreed and the rest is history. I, I started working uh, with this group. It was a huge group of people across what is now 17 sites in Canada. And um, we worked with many different populations. I met uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people through the project. Um, and I learned the ropes about research and what it means and being what I call myself now as a citizen partner and peer researcher, uh, that's what developed. And uh, through that project, I, you know, I was able to jump onto other projects or invited onto other projects um, in this new career uh, of, of my own. And I never went back to the corporate, uh, to the corporate uh, networks. So uh, that's how I'm here today. Uh, I'm still working actively in several different uh, research projects in family engagement and family peer support. Um, I've co-founded the National Community of Practice in Mental Health for Family Peer Support Workers. Um, I'm also a co-founding member of Patient Advisors Network. Uh, I work with several different universities in Quebec and the rest of Canada. And... Um, and yeah, I just I'm just continuing to develop this uh, career of mine, and um, sometimes wishing I had another 20 years to do so. Not sure how many years I've left, but uh, 20 seems like a good number. But but that's what I'm doing right now. Well, I'm gonna jump and thank you again for uh, the invitation and for uh, having us and having this discussion about evaluation. I think it's a uh... It's paramount to have that discussion more broadly and more deeply also. Uh, so I'm Audrey Desperance. I'm uh, assistant professor um, at École Nationale d'Administration Publique. I'm, um, my expertise is in health and social services management, uh, but more, more specifically in everything patient partnership oriented um, from you know, patient partnership in research, but also uh, in healthcare and a little bit in in, in uh, medical education as well. Just for uh, the little story, I'm I'm actually a political scientist, so I come from the social science and the, the political world, and I've always been interested in understanding how 
you know, lived experience and expertise and the match and the bridge between those two types of knowledge are actually changing and influencing public policy making. And, you know, public policy can be very broad, like lawmaking or big programs, systems, but it can also be really tiny clinical practices or ways we enter in relationships and uh, very intimate uh, settings, actually. And, and, and that's what I did for, you know, my studies, but also in the first years of my, um, of my, my career. Um, I've been for six years and a half a part of the, the team of the Center of Excellence on Partnership with Patients and the Public, and that's how I, I got to meet Carolyn and Marianne uh, and, you know, several other patient partners. Um, <clears throat> until then, I would say that patient partnership for me was one form or one piece of what I was calling patient advocacy which is very large and can go into like forms of activism to, you know, the partnership we talk about in research and, um, you know, co-leadership of projects like, you know, Marianne was mentioning earlier. Um, and, um, and so I entered this work, um, you know, with my eyes and my ears <laughs> wide open, trying to understand what was, you know, the difference in how we were, um, conceiving partnership in health research, because I was coming from a social science background where, you know, citizens are part of what we do in some ways. Uh, and um, that, you know, a lot of participatory research was on, on, ongoing around me for a long time. And so it was quite, you know, surprising somehow to see some of my colleagues in health research having so many resistance or questions or even like a bit of, you know, on misunderstanding of what partnership can bring to their research um, and uh, and so for the 10 past years I've been um, uh, coming with both my political science background and also a very you know I'm very fond of of all methods uh, you know I'm 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 uh, kind of a geek for methods and mostly qualitative and deliberative methods, which are, you know, also linked to partnership and, um, and evaluation for me is a, is a manner. It's almost like a, a pathway to bridge um, both, you know, what we're trying to do more philosophically um, with patient engagement uh, and patient partnership more, more broadly and, and uh, what we're trying to achieve in, in, in terms of transformations in the system. Um, and it's interesting to look at it uh, from that perspective of learning together and that's the title of our, our framework. Uh, and I, I say ours because I was, you know, so I'm so grateful to have been um, co-building this with Marion and, and Carolyn all the way through. Thanks so much for sharing with the listeners a little bit about yourself and about the many different ways that you came into the patient engagement and research world. It definitely sounds like any one of you could have been on any one of our podcast topics. So uh, I can't wait to hear all that you have to say about evaluation. So with that, Audrey, would you like to maybe um, share with the listener 
um, about the framework that you and your group developed for the evaluation of patient engagement in research, including what you did and what you found? And then Marianne and Carolyn, feel free to jump in at any point as well and share your experiences, takeaways, perspectives. Yeah, it's, it's a bit difficult to actually um, tell you a story of three years in, in a few minutes, but I'll try to do that. So um, in 2007, with the team in the Center of Excellence on Partnership with Patients and the Public, um, we, uh, well, Antoine Boivin and the team, we, we conducted a systematic review of evaluation tools. And at the time, the question, you know, in the strategy for um, uh, for or for patient-oriented research community. Um, the discussion was about, and the questions were raised about how, you know, what was available um, to evaluate patient engagement. We knew a few tools and we wanted to know, like, is there, you know, better ways or better, uh, you know, tools or there are like some tools that were, um, you know, could be transferred or used more broadly in Canada. And so that systematic review uh, got us to build a very fancy toolkit, <laughs> but we actually didn't know what we were building. And, uh, and so we needed that blueprint. Uh, and that, that actually is maybe the biggest result of that systematic review was that we ended up with a lot of tools, but no, no, not one, uh, one size fits all type of tool that people were looking for. Um, and, uh, and so we, we started thinking and talking with many SPORE, um, you know, entities, the SPORE support units, SPORE um, networks, uh, people at CIHR, patient partners we know uh, that were involved in SPORE, you know, entities. And uh, we built this idea of, you know, co-building and through deliberative methods, different types of methods, um, a, an evaluation framework. So we will be able to know what we are building, what type of transformation we're looking for, but also using the tools in the adequate way, in the, the most relevant way. Uh, and so we started this project in 2000, you know, I think the first conversation started in 2018, and we actually um, launched the model in 2023. So a one-year project kind of transformed. <laughs> and I think transformation is a, a word that we're, you know, I think embracing a lot in the team, um, both because it's part of the framework, but also because we feel like the project changed and I, I can tell that I personally transformed <laughs> in many ways during um, even moving from you know one uh, position to another position in my career having kids <laughs> I had a, a, a baby during that time you know it's just like life kind of intertwined with the project which I like and what which I, I like to tell that story too because it's part of how we build the thing but also um, it, it is also, you know, I think a reflection of the relationships we tried to build uh, during the project with the different participants. So we had 141 participants across the phases of the project, all from different sides and, 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 and provinces and territories of Canada. So we have, you know, we're so grateful to have all these participants to the three phases. And the first phase was a consensus building exercise on, you know, 
questions that were really broad, you know, what do you think successful patient engagement looks like in research? Um, you know, how can we um, consider that it's a success and, and what does it lo look like for you? Uh, are the patient engagement principles that were written in 2014 in the, in the SPORE patient engagement framework, are they still relevant? Are they still, you know, lived and living <laughs> principles? Um, and then uh, we identified through that phase 20 different dimensions. Dimensions that are, um, I think, attached to the development and pre and preparedness uh, and preparation teams need to you know, kind of have and put in place before starting a project uh, through process dimensions. So how we do patient engagement, basically, and then transformations and the impact. And this is maybe one of the biggest and boldest and, and most important um, result of that first phase is, is that the underlined, you know, importance that participants uh, put on transformation. And, and both, you know, researchers, patient partners, all participants told us that if we are engaging for, just for the sake of engaging, it's not enough. So we we can have the best process. We ha we cannot be the most prepared environment if we're not changing and transforming, you know, research practices and then healthcare. We're not achieving what we are supposed to achieve. And so that's one very big piece. Um, the other result was also that you know a process of engagement is not linear and partnership is very messy and a bit like a snake and ladder type of, you know, process. You go on, you move on, and then sometimes you slip and you have to go back. And it's maybe sometimes, you know, longer or um, you have to revise plans. And But that's, that's the beauty of it and that's the importance of it. So we wanted to build a, a model that wasn't linear and showed that importance of, you know, discussing and muddling through. And I think that's one very big element. And then we did um, lists of indicators. So we had, we were very fortunate because in the literature, we had like tons of people that did systematic review of indicators of success for patient engagement. So we matched the dimensions. We identified two lists of indicators, but I'm saying lists with a lot of, you know, intensity because the lists were super long. So people that participated in our Delphi, uh, Delphi they know it was a very long questionnaire with tons of indicators. They did, you know, a, an awesome work of, of, of participating and, and getting us to shorten that list and also identify which of these indicators are the necessary ones, the must-haves, and also the nice-to-have. So we were, and that actually told us that evaluation is, is we need to create capacities also. And so, you know, you might as a, as a project, as, as a group, as a team, have lower capacity to evaluate patient engagement, and that's fine. And, but if you want to grow in your capacities, you could actually choose a, a more, you know, a more numerous number of indicators. You can actually evaluate more dimensions type of things. So I'm, 
And, um, and finally, the, the last phase was kind of intertwined in between the two first phases. It's an equity-based discussion and dialogue we had with uh, experts. And here, I'm, when I'm saying experts, it's not just researchers that have like specialties and expertise, but also patient partners that work with them very closely. And through the project, we were, you know, getting the questionnaire done. And I was like traveling with the questionnaire and all of our committees to just check if for indigenous communities, it made sense. If the language was right, if you know um, the way we we formulated things, if there were indicators that were completely missing and that we would uh, we would need to add, um, and we did that with five different um, what we called equity-based uh, 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 experts committees, and uh, to make sure that the 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 biggest, the broadest, most represented communities in within SPORE, because that was, you know, the groups we were working for, with, um, had a say on, you know, how we built uh, and and reported back on 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 some of the uh, the framework, and then we uh, finally worked with a graphic designer um, to actually translate all of these really great results that were pretty boring when we're, when we're looking at them like with lists and but in a way that that was conveying the spirit but also um the 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 complexity and the simplicity or the 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 relationship underneath um the, the model and trying to also make sure that people felt that they were able any people could actually take on and use that tool. It was it was not our tool, and it was not for only the sake of research. It was also the I think the the broadest goal was to get people to start evaluating, and for that we needed to have a tool that was, um, you know, homey, nice, <laughs> accessible, uh, usable. Uh, I'd like to to add to what what Audrey's story has been. With a perspective, um, I don't think I'm telling uh, tales out of school, Marianne. When Marianne and I first came into the project, as um, uh, as links to the Patient Advisors Network, which was a partner in the uh, in the formal uh, application for funding and the grant for for this project, uh, Marianne and I attended a, a few of the initial meetings, and uh, we rolled our eyes and thought, "How is this going to happen?" <laughs> this is such a big undertaking. Uh, I mean, it's a massive thing to create an evaluation framework for patient involvement in research. And, um, you know, we thought, well, you know, we're, we're absolutely in for participating, but this is going to be something to watch. Uh, what a timetable. <laughs> and I think that, that what uh, we uh, underestimated or didn't comprehend, and I think what is is one of the extraordinary aspects of this project, which um, you know Audrey's Audrey's narrative has really illustrated, is that this is crowdsourced. This isn't uh, top down. Here's the theory that supports uh, evaluation. Here's the uh, the client focus on value. This is from the participants and a large number of participants who have been active. In, in patient partnership, uh, in every aspect of patient partnership and research. So that 
in the course of our project and with the interruption of COVID, we got more time, which was invaluable. Um, mm -hmm. Audrey has, has talked about uh, the, the extended uh, surveys we had with our Delphi all we asked of our participants, which was extraordinary, come back again and again and rank these, these indicators. Um, what we were actually doing, and I think I have the, the perspective of a few months since the, uh, the launch of the, the product, uh, mm -hmm. the framework, um, what we were, I think, doing, in fact, was building relationships. And, you know, Audrey's talked about the theme of transformation as being really compelling. This is what we experienced in this project. It's what our participants have experienced in their research projects, uh, what they contributed, their perspective reflects this, this astonishment at transformation. But I think the other and maybe the most uh, basic part of the Learning Together framework is that it's about building relationships. And they happen through the entire life cycle of a project, and in fact, inform everybody's participation in the next project. So I think we've seen this through the history of uh, patient-partnered research, that once people have done it, they won't do their work in, in a different way. You know, They won't go back to old ways. Uh, that this uh, relationship building is so good for the research community in, in Canada. We build ways of communicating with each other. Uh, and, you know, the, the, one of the great, uh, well, the classic failing of research uh, is the, the valley of death between uh, publishing your, your paper with your findings and seeing it impact reality. If you're involved in true partnership, in a rich partnership, uh, with people of many different perspectives. In, in relationship through that project, you are transformed. And part of that experience of transformation is really, uh, it ties very well in connecting up with practice. So you become a proselytizer for the work that you've done. You, you have been that engaged in, in the, those relationships. You have been that transformed by your, your um, uh, participation and by the outcomes. So I think in some ways, Audrey, that, that by involving this large number of very experienced people across Canada in so many different facets, we also have engaged them as uh, in the spread and scale, uh, in the use and adaptation of this framework. This isn't something that's, that's fixed. We expect it to be adapted. Uh, not only in its framework now, but added to and changed and and to be a living tool uh, in in creating better research. Marianne, did you have anything you wanted to add or? Well, um... what I would say to to what uh, Audrey and Carolyn have spoken about so eloquently uh, um, with regard to this project is that uh, you know something that Audrey said sort of stuck with me that we worked on it, we worked really on this, a one-year project for five years, basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, from from start to finish. Yeah, and uh, we developed an incredible framework uh, through the hard work and participation of, you know, many, you know a couple hundred people, really, or more um, throughout the process. And I think uh, my colleagues would agree with me that at the end of the day, we realized um, 
we had just finished step one, that this framework that was built, in fact, was more than just an evaluation framework to measure patient engagement in research and, and related, but rather it was um, a philosophical framework mm -hmm. for the way we look at how we interact with patients in the real world. Um, and, you know, even patients and caregivers are used to the way um, healthcare professionals and researchers and, and related, you know, um, deal with them when they have a health, uh, a health uh, priority, a health issue. Um, but this framework allows us to look at the, uh, the trajectory of healthcare from the perspective of the patient. And we can realize that uh, for the patient, uh, the, the journey is not a discrete journey of different steps. It's, it's part of their life. It, they come into the system as part of their life because they have a need that needs to be responded to. And they go through the process as one long fluid trajectory until they get what they need, if they, mm -hmm. if they can or not. Um, by the same token, healthcare workers who are in healthcare and research and policy and so on see only a part of that patient journey yeah. from their own specialized perspective. By inviting patients and caregivers to actually contribute actively and collaborate part of throughout part of their journey with the people who who are help trying to help them they allow a wider perspective on what we need to do to improve healthcare outcomes so and i learned that in this project on a personal level as well as a research or a professional level because when i entered the project what attracted to me, what attracted me to the project was that we were going to build an evaluation framework. I love that kind of stuff. I like order. I like organization. Cool. And having already dealt in a national research project with hundreds of people for the previous five years, where it was always a hot mess and nobody in my mind, knew what they were doing. I come from a very ordered background. So in my mind, uh, you know, people were trying different things that were or were not working. Sometimes it was documented, sometimes it wasn't. I just needed more order. And so this project was the answer, okay? Um, and I came into the project and I said, yes, for once, we're going to develop an, an evaluation framework, a standard that would uh, allow us to um, uh, involve patients and work with patients and caregivers in a way that we can be assured that we've really checked all the boxes. But guess what? 
you can't check all the boxes. You can't check any box. In fact, a standardized framework for patient engagement is an oxymoron. You can't have standardized patient engagement. It doesn't work together, right? Uh, patient engagement is a unique process and a unique experience, both for the patient and the and the you know the healthcare worker or or related. So, so how can we build something like that? Of course, it's all about the transformation. It has to be about the end result in your experience. And the experience is the patient experience. And the way transformation is uh, elaborated or expanded upon is through the natural knowledge mobilization of the patient to both care for himself or herself and spread that knowledge to others. And so this framework, this evaluation framework is to share, in my mind, is to share with everyone who's interested the philosophy behind sharing the part of the life experience of a person who comes into a system and says, I need your help. So, and that's, I mean, so much to, I'm hearing a, a couple themes uh, throughout what you're all saying. And I think it, it actually is, it's giving me pause. I guess that's why I had to stop for a second because I think a lot of what we read about is very focused on this idea of standardized patient mm -hmm. engagement evaluation, that there is some sort of order that there is some amongst the, the chaos, as you say, but, and, and Audrey, you mentioned too, that, that you thought, well, maybe there's one side, there's no one size fits all that you kind of, as you went through the literature, you went through the research and it does seem a bit like an oxymoron to ask, what does pa standardized patient engagement evaluation look like? But it sounds like it might not exist, or maybe it's that philosophy that's the standard. And I, I don't know, but just sort of think, I guess that two-part question, is there such a thing? I think we know, maybe I've heard the answer, but what what should people know that maybe want to incorporate some elements and maybe are, are also feeling overwhelmed and don't know where to start when it comes to evaluation? Um, how, would, how do you start in, um, incorporating that into your research? I think I'll just answer the second part of your question and leave the, the first part. To sure, us. sure. But, but for me, um, when we talk about the you know philosophical standard, I think that's okay to say. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with with uh, or or in fact there there are a lot there are a lot of benefits to create a new standard, a new level of being, in terms of how we deal with each other, in terms of how we relate to each other, uh, in something so important as healthcare, okay, or healthcare research. So I think uh, I, to answer the second second part, it's the philosophy that is the new standard, the philosophy of really collaborating with each other and assuring the patient that it's okay for them to be responsible for their own healthcare and to collaborate with healthcare people to get what they need. So that part, yes, there could be, there is a standard, I think a new standard to be, to be worked on. But for the first part, not so sure. That's okay. <laughs> Carolyn, Audrey, do you have any 
Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd like to elaborate a little bit on what, what Marianne was referring to of the philosophy of care. Um, you know, we talk about evaluation. So where's the value? Well, in, in patient partnership and research, we'll just look around, you know, uh, it's no longer an issue. We look at the, the tens of thousands of citizen patient now, uh, citizen, citizen patients now who are participating in partnerships of all kinds with the healthcare system. And, and I spoke a little bit about the, my, con, my idea that there's a kind of uh, blurring between uh, practice and, and uh, practice improvement and research. So if we, if we think about uh, our, our way of our concepts around, um, around research and compare it with concepts around healthcare policy and practice and how that's evolved over the last, I don't know, 15 years is how long I've been involved with it. And when I first came in, it was about patient-centered care. And very oftentimes there'd be a schematic with a, a, a stick person patient in the center and all these specialists circled around them and uh, obviously the patients in the center. Well, uh, you know, this is, this is uh, ludicrous. Uh, healthcare is not a, a product to deliver. It's not an assembly line standardized um, issue. It's, it's about relationship. It's about uh, continuity over an episode of care, even if it's an hour in someone's office. Uh, it's, it's that um, relationship of trust that is the glue that makes patient care connections. And, you know, how could you possibly understand any aspect of healthcare without understanding the patient's perspective? You, it, it's like one hand clapping, you can't do it. Um, so when I first came in, and I think this is true if we look back 10 years ago, 15 years ago at research, uh, honoring expertise, honoring the professional point of view, and I would hear initially, and I think Marianne has as well, no, no, Carolyn, as you know, sort of being patted on the head, uh, we're all patients. <laughs> so that's how we represent patients in, in our operation, in our research. Uh, well, we're not all patients. Uh, patients have a huge variety of views, but it's a distinct view. It's not shared with the professional view. Uh, yes, of course, people can have experiences as patients and also be in the professional world. But it is so important to have that, that distinct patient perspective to contribute to a fuller understanding of what healthcare is. And so how can you do this without embedding the patient? It's not just of asking for patient advisory roles on a research committee. Uh, it really is embedding the patient in the project in each step of the project. So identifying research priorities in designing research um, uh, projects themselves, in planning them out, in defining uh, what kind of data collection, what kind of analysis, what kind of, of um, uh, recruitment, uh, in, in actually conducting the research, involving patients in, in, as team members, in, in conducting the actual steps of the research. Uh, bringing that patient perspective into the analysis, into the writing, uh, and, and in an active way in, in those steps, not as uh, advisors, not in proofreading the final report. Uh, and then, as I've uh, referenced before, in spreading uh, the information through networks, because patients have very distinct networks in the healthcare system that do involve people who are professionals, as well as many patients and, 
and organizations. And that spreads into society as well. So as we've, we've gotten involved in this co-production with patients on the research team, it really highlights some of the issues around power imbalances and remuneration and so on. Uh, and uh, you know, these are the active issues today. I don't expect that there'll be active issues in 10 years. I think we're, we're progressing that quickly and uh, modifying the way we do research. So the issues that we're, we're looking at today that, have, have, that we're, I think, all struggling with and uh, we are fully aware of in this, in this uh, evaluation framework is how can we do this patient-centered thing, this view of, of uh, healthcare as relational, uh, uh, relational with, without inclusiveness and without highly diverse uh, patients being involved? Um, well, in practice, uh, looking back, looking at the state of uh, research now, most partnership situations are really bringing in patients as proxies in professional roles. It's bringing in people who can act as if they were researchers. And uh, I've been captivated by a big idea from a physician in the UK and Wales, um, Dr. Julian Tudor Hart, uh, who invented back in 1971, something called the inverse care law, which says that those most in need of care are least likely to get it. And I think there's a corollary in research. Those we're in most need of participating as partners in research are least likely to get in the doors that we, we provide for research. So the, it's incumbent on us to develop new forms of partnership. And I think this is also in parallel with the healthcare system. Um, yes, we're, we need to lead with relationship building before a project is even defined. Establishing relationships with uh, with patients, with individuals, but more importantly, with communities. And I think that this, this reflects the, the uh, need to have continuity of relationships uh, that, are, that, that build on the individual relationships. So when we look at, at the challenges of measuring impact on health, almost like the next step we're, we're discovering especially with marginalized communities, social determinants. And that's where we're realizing that the healthcare system and the social system have to have system to system interactions, uh, have to be connected, have to have relationships. And I hope have the opportunity to transform uh, with, with that collaboration, with bringing in those perspectives from different areas. I mean, we intersect as individuals, we intersect with each other in a community and, and that's very different than how we intersect as individual to individual. So I think you know, healthcare policy is really uh, evolving in the same direction as research is evolving. I think we, we feed each other. And the bottom line really is the transformation. And I think that's, that's where all of us are hoping uh, the quality of our research is leading. People are changed. People are saying that they won't do things any other way ever again. And our institutions, our research structures are really reflecting uh, that recognition that it takes uh, an intermingling of perspectives and an embrace of that, uh, an embrace of the unknown, of not knowing where you're going and having good handholds, good um, frameworks like this one to ensure that you aren't leaving things out. Um, and I think that that's really the power of, 
of the Learning Together framework is that it's uh, opportunity at every stage in research to reflect, uh, reflect on values, reflect on relationships, reflect on facets of interacting to ensure that you're getting the most from the participants that you can attract. Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, it's a nice segue to, to what I, I wanted to, to say. I, I, I think this is also a result of the whole process of this project and, and not just like the, you know, the framework itself, which could actually could have been only a tool and a tool for evaluation. We ended up with that result that actually the framework is as much a tool for evaluation as a tool for planning and reflecting on relationship during a project. And I think these three different, I'd say purposes of the framework are as important and as actually paramount to one another than you know, the evaluation on itself. And I'm gonna explain what I mean. If you're not preparing and planning for partnership, you're actually missing out on many different things. Planning doesn't mean doesn't mean you'll have all the dots, you know, you know, organized and all these steps that are going. You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to actually follow each and every step of your planning. However, it's going to help you reflect during, reflect on what you had you know, planned for and didn't happen, reflect on the relationship that actually happened or didn't. By the way, the first patient partner was involved and co-designed the, the method and the protocol with me, Alexandre Grégoire, actually left for, you know, personal reason during the pandemic. And it, it's, it's because he left that I reached out directly to Carolyn and Marianne, which were already involved, to say, hey, I lost my collaborator, my partner, my duo is now me alone. I need, you know, to have people surrounding me during, and I'm not going to do this project without, you know, patients involved. And they said yes. And, you know, the co-construction con co continued. I didn't expect that. That wasn't in the planning. That change of plan happened, but I was able to understand the changes and how it affects research, how it affects my team, how we needed to reorganize because the planning was done first. And I think that um, you know the framework was built towards this idea that we need to match evaluation with the nature of engagement the nature of what is patient partnership. And this is one thing that we tend to actually forget because evaluation means many different things. Oh, sorry, <laughs> many different things I'm getting. Um, it can mean evaluation in you know, health research is very circumscribed, it's very specific. It's evaluation of impact and it's, it, it comes at a very different timing than when we do, like I come from political science, we do program evaluations. And, and in, in social innovation, they do eval, you know, more developmental types of evaluation. There are different approaches to evaluation because we are evaluating different things, different um, you know, objects, different um, dynamics. 
patient engagement is a ever-moving, ever-changing, relational, mostly reciprocal, if it's done well, dynamic. And it needs an evolving, adapted way of evaluating. And this is a change of culture drastically in health research because evaluation is seen as a very specific manner, structured, that standardized idea that you mentioned comes from that idea attached to evaluation. But evaluation, if we look in different types of you know, models, disciplines, outside the scope of, 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 of health science, we can see that it takes many forms. It, 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 there are different approaches. We try to, uh, you know, decolonize evaluation as much as we as we can. Um, you know, it, so it's for me this this is, you know, in in more sciencey words, it's like we need to match ontology with methodology. We cannot go on thinking about evaluation in an instrumental way. Patient engagement and patient partnership is not an instrument for better research. It is not a function. It is an integrated mechanism of learning, which is why we chose that label, that name of the learning together, because it becomes a social learning um, you know, mechanism. And it's embedded in the research. And the next steps would be that we would integrate the framework, not just in the evaluation of a project, but in the evaluation of the whole conduct of research, which is a different way of thinking. And it's, it's also speaks and, and, and asks for more support for engagement evaluation because it's harder to do. It's a social dynamic. I cannot tell you that patient engagement has direct effect on healthcare. Okay, I, I would love to. That's not feasible. However, we can build the knowledge along the way that will lead us to show the effect. And that's what the pathway. And if people can see, you know, the learning together framework, it's, it's it looks like a pathway. That's what the pathway is all about. Start your evaluation. Day one, by planning and reflecting on your actions and your relationship from day one, keep track. Keep, keeping track doesn't mean to have like fancy different, you know, tools that are very hard to implement and very, you know, heavy on the shoulders of your team. No, you probably have those integrated already, your meetings. Take five minutes each meeting to just talk about your relationships. We did that. You know, some days we would go on Zoom and we were not feeling so well, we, you know, we shared. Sometimes our meetings took longer because we actually wanted to share some personal stuff. And, and it's, it's through that that actually we were able to also see what wasn't going right in our team. You know, and it would be a lie to tell you that it was always comfortable and people that do patient engagement right know that it's not always comfortable. 
both for patient partners and researchers, and mostly for researchers, I think, because it, you know we get challenged in all of this structure and rigor and 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 you know and institutional you know imperatives that we we get to you know navigate and we get to be used to. So like you know there's something challenging about it, but the challenges are where you actually sit down and write down like an observation. Today wasn't easy. I had to make this type of a decision. It's not like it, it's probably in your notes. It's probably in your lab notes. You know, it's things that can be integrated in your, our practice. And this is how our research practice will be influenced by engagement. Evaluation will be one of these things that we will embed in our way of doing research that will help us, you know, go through. And anyways, that's that's what we've learned, I think, the, the most about, you know, building this project. Like, it's not about the evaluation at the end. If we are just looking at the impacts or transformation, we won't be even able to do it. We won't ever be able to measure. We'll do like maybe 10% of what we can really do by being planning, reflecting during uh, and improving during, and then, you know, finding out what changed and what improved uh, in our research, uh, in our teams, and also um, eventually what it will bring, you know, in the healthcare system. I just want to add one mini thing that a, a colleague of mine you know, kind of <laughs> told me about a project that she led with patient partners. And she told me that the biggest transformation she saw in herself is the fact that now she's talking with media and she's bringing, and she, and she's, and she told me like, I became an advocate. Like, I cannot stay in my office anymore. I need to speak about these things. I need to, you know, if there are interviews, well, you know what? This is a change in practice. This is a change, a drastic change in how that researcher is actually interacting and diffusing her or their research. Same with uh, clinical researchers that told me along the way when I was evaluating different types of projects done in partnership, I completely changed the way I, um, I practice in the clinic. Well, you know what? That's a big change. <laughs> you know, I don't interact with my patients the same way because I did research with patient partners. Enormous. We don't collect. We don't keep track of those changes. We don't even ask researchers about those. Well, let's start to ask. And it's not about, you know, it's actually the framework is, is created and we're trying to get convey and, and, and diffuse the idea that the framework is not a tool to apply. It's a tool to reflect and to build your own evaluation framework. You might want to take a look at just one piece and actually go deep into that piece, that dimension. Let's say communication is very key. Well, you wanna go deep on communication, just look at it very deeply in your team. And that's evaluation. You wanna do the whole big mammoth that is the framework, go ahead. But you know, build the time and do it in partnership with, because that's another thing. You're not evaluating with this tool, 
without patient partners. Because there is a need to build reciprocity in all of the data's data that you will bring and collect. If you don't see the change in the transformation for both researchers and patient partners, you're not transforming. You might be changing something. It might be important. But if there's not that reciprocity, for me, it just, and, and that, that's not something that I say. It's something that I, I heard from the participants to this project. Thanks so much for these deep, deep reflections. Audrey, I find whenever we talk, my thinking is always pushed that much further about patient engagement in research. And Marianne and Carolyn, I feel the same way about you. And I really like that the key message and something that is one of my favorite things about being involved in patient engagement and research is that a lot of it is about understanding the essence, the essence of why you're engaging, what it means to engage and how to engage. And through these conversations, you guys have helped me to really deepen my understanding of what patient engagement is at its core and make important linkages to patient engagement in research and patient engagement in care, which obviously both feed into each other. And truly you can't measure something unless you first understand what it is. And that's, I think, another benefit that the listeners will have from what you guys shared with us today is that better understanding of the need to understand what patient engagement it is and fundamentally it's the relationships and the reciprocity and it's working together to transform healthcare. But through that reciprocity, you are also being changed as a person, as mm -hmm. a patient, as a researcher. And it's important to plan for what you're going to do together and then see that growth alongside each other so that you can note it. And that's an important outcome in and of itself of patient engagement and research. So I'm sure everybody who's listening to it today will be excited because they'll know, okay, it's not just a boring tool that I look at, but first it's really an understanding. It's a way of being. And then through that, it's moving to your health framework and helping, be it I'm a big, big, big place with a lot of capacity so I can evaluate all these different aspects. Or maybe we're smaller, we have limited capacity or we're interested in that one thing, and that is A-OK. -okay. So thank you guys. I can't wait to yeah learn more about your work through your um, paper. I can't wait to share more work about their paper. And I certainly... Honestly, I'm never going to look at, uh, at a game of snakes and ladders the same way again. So for that alone, I love, I just love that image so much. But um, everything, as we've said before on, on the podcast, um, the, the framework and other papers, um, folks listening can get access to that on our website and in the, comp, in the uh, description in, on YouTube uh, for the video. Um, the podcast will be on audio uh, for Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It'll be on uh, with closed captioning on YouTube. Um, you can read the transcript on Substack. So whichever whichever way floats your boat that you want to you want to listen to and or read this wonderful insights and conversation that we've had today with Audrey, Marianne, and Carolyn. It's just been so 
so fantastic. I know my mind's going to be buzzing long after we finish up here today. So um, if anyone wants to reach out to Anna and myself, uh, you can email us. Uh, Anna's email is anna.asperusual at gmail.com and mine is brin.asperusual at gmail.com. So thanks everyone on our panel today and let's take these lessons forward to make patient engagement in research and in healthcare the standard or as per usual moving forward. Thanks so much. Thank you for